The Live Review Project was our last best hope for news. A self-contained podcast two hours long, located in neutral territory. A place of nonsense and innuendo for forum dads, community members, and developers. A shining beacon in space, all alone on a Tuesday night. It was the dawn of the third chapter of Elite. The year's space legs came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Lavian stations. The year is 3307. The name of the place? Lave Radio. Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 330 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defia, otherwise known as Colin Ford, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder Bar for this episode, we have our Head of Health and Safety, Commander Aid Levice, otherwise known as Ben Moss Woodward. Let me just whip out my joystick here. We also have our Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. What up? We also have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. And taking the title of Thargoid Cowboy, we have Commander Alec Turner, him of Buckyballing, Stroke, SRV Races, Stroke, Head of Highlights of the Forum. Yeah. Say, Colin, if you keep stroking <laughs> like that, I'm going to get jealous. Yes, shouldn't he be Chief Stroker? I didn't take long. Or even the master uh, stroke. Yeah, okay, so that was one minute twelve seconds. Well, it's a new record. I'll start yeah. a forum good. Yeah, you do that. Right. If you wish, you can join us live. We are hanging out in game, or Ben hopefully will be hanging out in game somewhere around the planet Leave. I'm docked in Leave at the moment, and I'll probably come out at some point tonight. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get in game, you can also join the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live and clicking on the live chat and at twitch.tv slash laveradio or go to YouTube, look at laveradio or go to Facebook and laveradio will be there also. So um, we'll quickly go around everybody, see what they've been up to for the last week. And uh, yes, so we shall start with, uh, let's say, Ben. I've actually just got a quick one. So after my unexpected departure last night, pretty much my entire week, up to including today, and probably most of the next week, has been dealt with family issues. <laughs> uh, I've played... Zero hours of Elite, about zero hours of... Maybe about two or three hours tops of any games over the past week. And that was RimWorld whilst I was 
basically trying to deal waiting in queues for things. Lovely. Yeah. It's okay. Been a fun week. Uh, yes, that's the new definition of the word fun. We're not quite, not really wanting. Uh, <laughs> uh, Commander Shan, how have you been this week? I've not been too bad, but I am this week. I am taking the um, anti-chat show interview approach to this section of the show because I, I, I notice if you go on a, a chat show and the interviewer asks the star well what are you doing and the star goes oh i've written a book and i've got a film out and they're always like really busy well this week i have actually done nothing at all and i'm not going to try and make up something fun and interesting to make it sound as though i've done something fun and interesting because i haven't i haven't played any new game uh work has been quite slow and i'm not allowed to go anywhere so it's been completely boring well that that's uplifting alec please tell me you've had something interesting happen to you this week <laughs> it's very hard to have anything interesting happening at the moment isn't it um i got an old snooker table out of my attic as does that count <laughs> so oh god yeah really if the highlight is snooker things are really really I'm- bad <laughs> I've been in game a bit. I went to see Serene Harbour because I missed all that because I was in Colonia. It was quite mm-hmm. good. Uh, I've been turning the wheel quite a lot this week because things are getting close to being exciting there. Okay. And um, what else have I been up to? I've been, there's quite a nice forum thread where a guy is trying to collate all the planetary bases that are jolly close to each other. And I've been driving between them all to see what see what that's like. About oh, you mean me? all right? You mean sort of, um, sort of like within a hundred k of each other? You mean, yeah, it turns out there's quite a lot. I thought there was only one. There's, there's a very well-known one on Wasat A2E, which is fifty k, which we use for racing a lot. But he's he's found a good <laughs> six or seven that are quite nice little drives. So it's, yeah, good. Oh, excellent, Commander Souverain. What's been happening with you? Well, I have been. Uh, it's been a really, really good week for work. That's been absolutely brilliant. Getting lots done. In game, I um, a friend of mine had a, a friend of mine runs a, a player group, and uh, they had a war going on, um, and uh, and I said I'd drop in and help out. And uh, so the other day, I um, uh, I flew over to I took my my main ship, my crate mark two, and I flew over to the system where they were fighting their war, um, and I dropped into one of the conflict zones, and uh, and deployed my fighter and, and got cracking. Um, and, um, and after about, after, after sort of, we got to about half, uh, halfway to, um, filling the completion bucket or the winning bucket, the, the enemy, there's just this cascade of allied ship lost and, um, and the, the red bar filled and filled and filled and filled and filled until suddenly we'd lost. I was like, what? Um, and uh, and I was like, well, that's a bit of bad luck. I'll just have to now. I've now now I need to correct that before I can even start chalking up some runs. So <laughs> I uh, so I jumped out and rearmed and all that sort of thing, and then went back and had another go. And um, and exactly the same thing happened. I uh, I took quite a lot of damage, so I had to. I flew away while my shields recharged and left my fighter uh, duking it out. And then I um, and then all of a sudden the red bar all the way to and then and then the little thing. And then the, the the person came over the tannoy saying, "I'm ordering a retreat. It's over." And I was like, "Ass bollocks! I'm I've now two two CZs behind." Mm. And I was like, "Well, okay. Well, I'm going to need to uh, I'm going to need to roll out the big guns. This this my, my multi purpose crate clearly isn't up to snuff." So I um, uh, so I flew back to my home uh, base, which is the print works in Malaysia, 
and swapped that for my Crate Mark II for my Mamba, which has uh, two large gimbaled multi-cannons on it and a, and a huge fixed beam laser, which uh, usually makes short work of uh, conflict zones. Flew that back, and exactly the same thing happened. Um, well, I just... The whole uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't that I got blown up. It was that the time time to kill was too long. Like the, the enemy just killed faster than I could, um, mm. and I had to. Uh, and then I was like, oh, "Sob this! I'll go do something else." So I uh, I had to go back to my mate and say, "You know that you know that war that I was going to help you with." Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I've actually lost three <laughs> three conflict zones for you, and he was like, "What? How? Why? They were the easy ones." I, I know, I know, I don't know. I did. I just yeah. So I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I've just suddenly become incredibly shit. Or they uh, or are they... you a secret quizzling, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um I'm I'm not trying to undermine him. I I, I genuinely did want to help, but um I, I assured him that I wouldn't bring my particular flavour of helpfulness to his uh to his BGS wars for a little while. <laughs> was was there uh, was there another player or wing of players in the CZ, or was it just you by yourself? Uh, it was me by myself. There weren't any players. Ah, right. Because so, uh, I've, I've, I've seen that happen, where you think, oh, great, I'm winning this one, and then a couple of players join on the other side. Uh, yeah. And, oh, it's game over at that point. Yeah. I think no, I, I, I don't... what the cause of it was, actually, Steve. Go on. Well, I don't think you've ever tried this trick yet with the Suvette, but I'm sure other people who have been in a relationship for a while do the same. Is If you are asked to do a task that you don't particularly want to do, like the washing up or the dusting. Or something. <laughs> oh, I know you what you're doing. Spectacularly yeah. badly, so therefore <laughs> you never get asked again. So is that really what happened? <laughs> I would. I, I wish that. Was, I wish I could say something. Uh, with I, I wish I could give any reason apart from incompetence. Um, I really wish I could. I, I, I would love it if a dev if a dev popped up and said, "Oh, we've actually just really buffed the conflict zones in those two in that one system, um, just to mess with you." But um, and if somebody did say to me, "Do you know what they've?" They've they've ramped up the rate at which uh, the enemy start getting kills when you when you get to halfway. Then I would uh, then I would absolutely believe them because that's exactly what it felt like. But uh, but my sneaking pervasive uh, suspicion is that I'm just a bit shit. Um, <laughs> so outside of elite, I've been uh, Atrus and Polish Dan and I have been continuing our total Warhammer Odyssey. Um, Dan and I have a, a Dowie game going on where um, we're both different dwarven factions taking over the world and. Um, Atrus and I have a Skaven game going on where in which I'm Clan Scryer and he's Clan Molder, and we're taking over the uh, the old world in a pincer movement, and it is spectacularly good fun. Excellent. Right. Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that you had such bad luck with the uh, with the conflict zones. I must hmm. admit, I'm I'm. It's funny you should mention having bad luck with conflict zones because I've had something similar happen to me with the power play conflict zones that uh, I'm involved with at the moment. We're doing an expansion into um, <laughs> into a new system, and um, we're lo- we're we've, we're at four hundred and thirty eight percent, but we're losing against two thousand eight hundred and forty five percent. Which normally to lose start to lose a bit of meaning, don't they? In, in situations it, like this. It does, because basically, um, as far as this is concerned, um, if you manage uh, to try an expansion in power play, um, it first of all starts at, um, if you're under 100%, it's the first one to reach 100%. But then if it carries on longer than that, then it's whoever's got the highest percentage, 
<laughs> and normally what happens is when one power it manages to expand, three or four other powers will just pile in to try and stop it. And so you're normally outnumbered about four to one and just bucket filling, even though I think uh, I have only ever seen twice other enemy players in a conflict zone, which I think is a bit of a shame. I think it, you should see a lot more players, uh, enemy players in power uh, in those kind of combat, combat zones. But they're different from your standard combat zone because the standard combat zone's got an upgrade with all the the wonderful, um, uh, you know, the, your, <clears throat> your green bars and your red bars and also secondary objectives and that kind of thing. The the power play combat zones never got changed. They're they're still exactly the same as they were when they were first released. So it's like going back in time a bit. But I'll say one thing, the ships that you're fighting against are a lot more difficult than all the others put together. They're sort of bit rock hard to be honest. And apart from that, helping out with the CG. So that's been my week. Um, right, so let's see what has been happening with the devs this week. Well, the big news that happened was the Discovery Scanner. Now, um, we'll be going into this into a lot more depth later on in the show, but uh, obviously the planetary tech was discussed by Dr. K. Ross, uh, her of the um, Stellar Forge and... Very clever mathematics, which generate the entire galaxy. She made the universe for great sake. Well, the galaxy. But does she now deserve the the um, subtitled "Great Maker"? She is the great maker. <laughs> David Braben is a great maker. But she actually did the making. Yes, but whose design was it? And was it intelligent design? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Already into the the heavy fizzle fella fella. Oh, you know what? I'd put it down to a pantheon rather than one single <laughs> deity. So is there a thought in that pantheon? Because if not, it should be. Definitely, it should be. Oh, great. And is that going to be the this week's qu- uh, question? Which Greek god is the member of Frontier? Is that, is that what, where we're going with this? <laughs> we can do. We can do. We can, we can go the way tonight. Mike yeah. is probably the Minotaur. I'm ill-informed if that's tonight's discussion. So, so Sarah Jane Avery, then, would be the goddess of war, wouldn't she? I mean, it can't be worse yeah. than which member of the Teletubbies is Lave Radio. <laughs> True. <laughs> would you be war or would you be closer to mischief? Well, that's Hermes, isn't it? If you if you broaden it to all the different gods, then it becomes slightly more interesting because there's like Norse, there's lots of colourful Norse gods. Yep. Maybe, maybe Zach is Lessinger or Hermes because he's a CM, you see, so. I think Zach might be Loki a bit mischievous. Yeah. Well, I I thought just keeping it to the Greek gods because basically otherwise everything gets more confusing. I can I can just keep My the confusion. Greek gods in mind. So what what sort of toast would the Greek god? <laughs> the toast and nectar, wouldn't you? You'd have toast and honey. You'd have toast and nectar. Ambrosia, yeah. Ambrosia, yeah. That's what. That's well, ambrosia what is Greek, isn't it? Yeah, I've just listened to all the Stephen Fry. Greek myths books. So basically, it's <laughs> I've got that on the brain at the moment. I've got um, the, uh, the Neil Gaiman Norse one next on my list. So uh, we should have oh, a that's brilliant <laughs> Norse gods. I love Norse gods. We should have a god off. Uh, when I'm a god off. <laughs> Waiting for godos. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> right. Um, now, this this discovery scanner went into uh, obviously a lot of detail, which we'll be able to talk about later. In general, guys, is this the kind of thing that you really wanted to see from Frontier? Is this yes. this kind of reassure you instead of those? It was a really good start. What what was covered? Sorry, did you not see it, Steve? Hey, Ross, talking with love and intelligence about her fabulous Stella Forge creation. There, there are some good nuggets in there, actually, about what, what is fundamentally different from what we have now, but maybe oh, that's yes. the main discussion. Could, could, we, could we talk about those nuggets now, or is that for later? That's for later. We will, we will cover all those nuggets with a, with a lot of... The nuggets uh, are still being in the oven, and we'll just wait just to dip into them later. Excellent. I will, I will sit like a patient Labrador in front of the oven, gazing at the uh, the, the quietly browning nuggets. What Labrador? Uh, I grew up with one, and they do patience very well. They're also they like nuggets. Uh, this one did, yeah. Eat any food they possibly can. We'll eat anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Continuing on from there, um, there was obviously uh, Tuesday's stream, which um, I'm afraid I missed. So I'm going to have to be the helpful idiot on that one. We started at a normal time. It's just, unfortunately, I was still working. I was very busy today. Stephen did a striptease to the tune of um, Like a Virgin. I missed that bit. I haven't seen it all yet. It comes towards the end. It's it's pretty good. It's worth worth tuning in for. wouldn't go as far as to say there are any decent nuggets in it. Significant toilet nuggets. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to know what this toilet stuff is. Can somebody please illuminate me? Apparently toilets have been confirmed in Odyssey. So that means when you go to the bar, there should be a convenience nearby. Fantastic. Are they flushable? Do they work? See, that's interesting because I thought you always you went to the loo inside your suit and it recycled the thing to help your survival. You know, like still suits in June recycled your waste, didn't they? And then that that particular bit of information really impeded my enjoyment of Dune. After after I read that paragraph about the the fact that you shit in your suit and then it makes useful things out of it. I was just like, I, I'm really struggling with the rest of this book because I'm just imagining them with like this this sort of puffy diaper. Oh, it's just it's just gross. It's just it's totally gross. <laughs> Hang on, let's see get this toilet issue. <laughs> All right, what's for dinner? Well, it looks like chocolate brownies again. Oh dear. <laughs> Sometimes it can be a struggle, you know, just. Getting to the loo in time when you've got button-up flies. I don't know if you have the same. But if you've got button-up <laughs> flies, they are they are particularly difficult to get undone in a hurry. But if you've got a whole flight suit to try and strip off, or is there like a little flap that comes out that you can? Well, let's just hope that it's not it's unpowered. Because can you imagine what would happen if your battery had gone and you couldn't get it? At the button? <laughs> I just hope these toilets are going to be vacuum toilets, otherwise Suv is going to be incensed about the gravity issues again. Uh, yes. Me and any visitors to my ship. It's <laughs> zero G. Yes. Um, I'm very glad that we're getting toilets, because you know, I don't know about you, but the idea of having to go and do my business in front of everybody else in the bar I think it would just be a little bit off-putting. So well, you know, I have a little corner I can stand in and and do my business. So I'm quite grateful for, frankly. What gameplay purpose does the toilets have? I mean, is it like The Sims, where you have a little bar above your head, and that when the bar gets desperate, you kind of have to go? <laughs> is that is that why they're there? I mean, can you I don't know graffiti in them? Can you invite someone in with you? You know, what's the 
That is a really good question. Reduce the risk of infection. And do they still have little blue bars of um, disinfectant soap thing? You can like move along the bottom. I remember them. <laughs> what, what are they? What, what are they going to be like in the um, in the outposts where there's no spin? Messy. Right. You might be able to make or, little or bars. You've got a, or you've got a vacuum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Not sure about this gameplay. Well, the vacuum. No, would they be like the? Would they vacuum ones be like the toilets in a caravan or a boat? Oh, you know, stop. Do it right. Okay. I, I think we've. It, this show is well known for its toilet humor, but I think we've, we've gone too far now. Let's move on. I think we shall. Um, Arth has also checked um, Pomesh 2C, and he has confirmed that it has changed. Sorry about this, Alec, but apparently it still has a big care. canyon. I don't care, it's Ben can keep it now. You can keep the rotten planet. <laughs> it's ruined for you. <laughs> ben brought his filth, and that was the last you wanted of it. He's named it, he can have it. It's, worth, it's dead to me now. Oh dear! Not that it is bitter. Not you bitter about it in any way. So hang on. So, so, sorry, Colin. I just had another thought about the um, the previous subject. Oh um, no! If you are able to go to the loo, does that mean you can write your name on ice planets? <sighs> dear. Um, I think I think we shall move along from that particular um, subject. But something interesting was revealed in the stream. Now, apparently, commanders won't be able to instance with Odyssey. That's Horizon commanders won't instance with Odyssey players on non-atmospheric planets. Now, this is because of something I, I wasn't expecting. Not technical issues, rating restrictions. Apparently, um, Odyssey will have a higher age restriction than present Horizons. Mostly due probably to the fact that you can actually blow people's heads off and and you're actually shooting people instead of shooting ships. Because Elite is rated 7. Yes. Eggy, what's Elder Series? Is that 12 then? What age does society collectively deem appropriate for watching people 16. get shot in the head? 16, totally good. Right? 16, because that's <laughs> what it is for Halo. And you can do a lot of shooting in the head in Halo. And I, I mean, not, not, not being disingenuous to 7-year-olds, but... Elite's quite a complicated game for a seven-year-old to try and play. I mean, surely they'd be more interested in Minecraft or something. I tried playing Minecraft. That is a complex game. It is. The and, and I lasted half an hour with Minecraft, and then we were like, fuck this. Uh, those spiders got you so hard, it hit you into the... So you could sing Soprano. That's <laughs> so it's okay to, to shoot at a ship. Yeah. Or a Thargoid. Yeah, but it's not okay to shoot an actual person. Because you don't actually see the violence of what happens to the poor pilot when the ship's exploding. It's actually a more horrible fate, I think, being just blown apart to atoms uh, in a ship rather than, um, you know, what being about shot down. shooting the cute scavengers, the Thargoid ruins? Isn't that traumatic enough? Mm, no, because they're not human. Also, no, nobody dies in Elite at the moment. But, That's um, true. That's a good people point. are going to start dying, perhaps. Oh no! Iron Man mode becomes real. Uh, that was another thing that they did say. They're still apparently talking about. They don't know how they're going to handle death yet. <laughs> they really need Seriously? to sort that out. <laughs> they don't know how Seriously, they don't know how they're going to handle death. Apparently, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. This game, this game was, this game was supposed to come out three months ago. Oh my god! Jesus. 
Wow, I must admit that is a bit of a jaw-dropper. Jesus Christ, people. I suspect these stories of them not knowing about the death me- mechanic are, are slightly exaggerated. I'm sure they have a basic concept and they're trying to decide. I'll, 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 I'll yeah. say something nice. To be fair, they could have had one death mechanic, and then in playtesting, found it wasn't suitable or wasn't fun or something, and are now having to rethink it. So maybe they did put one death mechanic in and they didn't think it Right, so they've had to go around the iterative loop again and try again. They, they, they said that they had the same thing with um, atmospheric landings. They, they they hadn't decided they hadn't they hadn't firmed up whether there were going to be whether there were going to be atmospheric effects that would affect that would um, yeah affect your uh, the flight model when you were flying in in these tenuous atmospheres. Uh, the, the amount of stuff that appears to still be up in the air is spectacular for something which is supposed to come out. That was supposed to come out several months ago. Right. Well, uh, Ben, you wanted to talk about death. So I can't remember uh, Arf's exact words, um, but it was to paraphrase: they they may not even know exactly how they want to deal with death in the uh, when it goes into the alpha, and they might get our opinion on a couple of solutions they have. Uh, so yes, I mean obviously you're you're right. They they have ideas in mind, but it sounds like well, do we want it this way? Do we want it that way? You know, shall we just have? How are we going to do deal with it? Basically, what's the best gameplay of, way? Of all, the, of all the game decisions that they might choose to crowdsource about, you know, how big a reticle should be or something, just letting us decide <laughs> what the death mechanic is seems a quite a big one for them to have. Not decided amongst themselves, but anyway, maybe maybe we can base it base it on an Eddie Izzard routine where you sort of it's either you have cake or death, cake or death, <laughs> <laughs> and if you're out of cake, it's just or death. or death. I really, I really hope they don't they don't crowdsource that decision. That is really not something that I think player base should decide. I mean, that's it is something that Arf said in almost like the last ten minutes of the stream today. That you know, they, it may not be locked on even in in the alpha. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean that's a really interesting quote um, because so much of the game surely re- revolves around what happens when a player is defeated. So if they are, for a better word, crowdsourcing it, then that could be a huge ninety degree turn in game play based on the votes of players. And I find that staggering to think they haven't thought that through. Well, I, I'm well, sure you may, can be maybe, defeated. It's just, it's just maybe a, I think it's they've got the mechanics sorted out. They just need the lore reason behind it. Yeah. Better at coming up with lore for BS game mechanics than they do. I'll agree with that. So, I mean, yeah. Eve has, has got the cool... Yeah, they come up with a lore mechanic for, you know, you can blow up at Beagle Point. And end up sixty five thousand light years back. That's that simple, isn't it? I don't see why it needs. Uh, I don't see why it's a complex issue, really. Like if if, if you die, that I, I don't see why you couldn't have a a little med a little med bay as one of the tile sets that the proc gen system draws settlement generation from. And very- uh, so, so for example, fifteen percent of all sixty thousand stations in the bubble have a little med bay thing in them. And that when you die, you just respawn at the closest one. I don't, I don't, I don't see why that wouldn't be. Or do we just yeah. spawn in that ship? 
a very good mechanic that I, I liked for the death mechanic are the ones that's in Left 4 Dead and even in Guild Wars 2, which I, you can drink to, is that if you're killed or, or defeated, you have a few seconds to either try and kill the thing that got you or you want a friend to come and resuscitate you and get you back on your feet. I, I tend to like that mechanic because it's additional gameplay. It's not just bang, bang, you're dead. It's you're down but not out. And then you have to have someone come and rescue you to get you back up again. And, and I quite like that mechanic because it's not too punishing and it can be uh, quite exciting trying to hope your friend gets there in time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, I mean, that's the, you know, the pub G, isn't it? Where you sort of, you're on the brink of death and you're hoping that your friend will run over, hit you with a med pack before you expire. Yeah, that, that sort of thing. Or if someone said in chat, perhaps you, uh, Actually, come back to life with a big eight <laughs> on your forehead. <laughs> um, Stephen Usher's just sort of uh, put in a, <laughs> a good comment. When Mars was terraformed, they found the Mister and Device Resurrection thing, so that when you die, you get two circles appear over you, and then you're up and normal, and you're fine again. <laughs> <laughs> so if you become a Mister one, does that mean you then start supporting Star Citizen? <laughs> uh, it's probably one of the bugs <laughs> so okay let's have a quick look at uh, what has actually been happening in game this week well yes quite a few interesting eventful things have happened this week so first of all um at the end of uh the previous week's CG, victory was declared for federal forces against the Jupiter division Jupiter um was captured and is now in custody uh, facing federal charges. Um, then there was the rare goods uh, requirement for the Galactic Summit, uh, Summit the CG, which um, I ran quite a lot uh, over the weekend. It was very, very profitable, but it did run out on Sunday, which I thought was a bit rubbish. Um, one thing I will notice is the number of people that are taking part in these CGs are, are a heck of a lot higher than they used to be. Um, I remember before the CGs got shut down, you were lucky to get 3,000 3, people registered as, as taking part. But in the last couple, there's there's been at least 12,000 people playing each. And surely that's a good sign of um, player engagement. It's because they've changed the reward system. You know, to actually... Not purely credits, but could be more interesting. Prizes. There could also be. I mean, there's also an enormous number of new players, aren't there, from the um, epic giveaway who maybe haven't done CGs before. So I'm sure yeah. that contributes. Yeah. Oh, one final thing that I, I should point out after the development news: apparently, Thargoids have been spotted over Mars. That first photograph from the Mars robot did seem to have this strange. Um, shadow on it uh, from the photograph published by um, Frontier. Uh, anybody? I mean, I must admit, that was one of my highlights of last week, sitting and watching Perseverance touchdown and then the footage. I mean, mm. I just fascinated me by the whole mechanics of it and the pure engineering feet of it has just been stunning and there was a uh, there was a footage wasn't that released yesterday i think it was of the video of perseverance 
entering the atmosphere and then the landing. quality footage of the landing was fantastic wasn't it that little thing doesn't it look like a little srv though it's got the six wheels and it's... yeah i was sort of expecting yeah. a little thing saying orbital cruise something coming up. <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant now, have we heard alec sorry did you see its wheels coming down and expanding as well i know yeah and it's, and it, it, it's brilliant we, have we heard the microphone yet? Yes. Although the microphone oh, yeah. is just somebody breaking wind. Did it go oola or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, um, I think it was one of the first ones that came there, but ever since then, um, there's been ones with Marvin the Martian, Bernie Sanders, of course. Um, yeah, there's been a couple of uh, Martian war machines in the background. <laughs> um, oh, and of course, a Jawa. Did anyone see the the Jawa one? I thought that was quite I've seen good. The Jawa one, but that's another. I like on that. A, on a more serious question, going back to what we were talking about last week, where mm-hmm. you know where science and credibility, etc., meet and elite. If we can do that for a rover on Mars now, mm-hmm. why can't we have a system to automatically land our ships from orbit? We can. You can, you know, from your SRV, you can say land. It's just it's that we can't do it. We, you can't we, just we, when you're in it. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, to be fair, there was, as far as we're aware at least, there was no life on that rover either. So, you know, seems reasonable to me. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as, um, I mean, I must admit, it, it, what, when you watched that rover come down, the, you you were thinking, oh, God, something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go wrong. But the fact it went so smoothly, I thought, well, first of all, I was very glad to see it go so well, but then I keep on thinking back to the space shuttle where it was working so well for so often that oh, people oh, just took it for granted. Yeah, totally. I was waiting for the read by screen to come up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. SpaceX did have the read by screen come up for their their booster. Yeah, that that was unfortunate. Yeah. But anyway, shall we shall we go back to our our pretend our pretend space exploration? Space. Yes, pretend space. Um, yes, we've had um, uh, the rare good CG for uh, the, gl- the upcoming Galactic Summit. Uh, has anybody, did anyone else take part in that? I couldn't for no. obvious reasons. Nope, nope, I didn't this one. Am I right in thinking the reward for this one is wider access to the the, the double-engineered FSD? Right? Uh, I don't know. I think it was just money this time. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, Um I must admit, uh, I did actually quite enjoy that one. I did do a couple of runs in open, which um, I had to basically bug out because basically there was, as per usual in most of these CGs, if you try it in open, there are people waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> so I just thought I'd try it. And, but uh, I managed to um, jump away before they could do serious damage. But um, yes, and, th- and a lot of good conversation I did notice in in that uh, that room. On that system, rather. Uh, other news: Laken Spaceways HQ has moved to the Alieth system. There is a five percent discount on all Alieth ships, or uh, sorry, any Laken ships in the Alieth system, uh, if you should, so should desire. However, you do need a permit to get to Alieth. Laken should pay you for taking ships off their hands. I, I was going to ask Shan: Would you buy a Laken ship with five percent off? No, because I, I, if I wanted to go around and eat the junk, I'd buy them from a Leon U system with 15% off. 
She oh, might be right. Eva Junk, but she's got to wear it counts, kid. So, um, apparently, I've been corrected. Um, the FSD was made available uh, as a reward for this uh, this CG. I, d- I must have missed that, to be honest. I think, I think more it's like the last anyway. one. Isn't mm. it like the last one? So it goes into the Guardian Tech Broker. So I think anyone can get it, even if they didn't take part in the CG. Is that how it works? Okay. It should okay. be. It should cool. be. Um, all, all I know is if, if you were taking Levy and Brandy to uh, the appropriate city, uh, uh, appropriate um, station, you were making quite a lot of money per trip. It, it was actually quite a good run. Incidentally, the good news for that is that we can now re-allow that um, double-engineered FSD in our races because anyone can get hold of one. Yay! That's so good. Again. It does feel like everyone wins at sports day, isn't it? It is a bit. <laughs> and you have a medal for taking part it did seem that um, Hudson and Winters uh, have both confirmed themselves for the Galactic Summit Hudson is turning up to to prove that he still is the president and Winters is turning up to say no I should be president and look how presidential I'm being Um, and the alliance protests have been triggered by the cancelled election uh, Mahan and his arrival will also arrive at this summit, which is happening this Thursday. So just asking everybody here, do you think it's going to go without a hitch? Is everything going to go nice and smoothly, or do you think uh, there's something coming? I think they're going to ra- I think they're gonna raid, they're gonna riot and then burst in the control room of the station <laughs> and then stand on the platform and you know, wave flags around and then be escorted around the place by policemen. We've got terrorists on the loose. We've got all the leaders coming round. What could go wrong, eh? Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? We haven't got all the leaders coming round. The Emperor, in her wisdom, has decided to stay away, but she's sent um, some of her important members of staff. She doesn't care about it. It's like putting all the people in one ship. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> Do we do we do we know who the designated survivor is? Is it um, Etienne Dawn by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's that's. Uh, well, actually, no. The emperor would be the designated survivor if something happens, wouldn't it? Because all oh, that would be the leadership for two of the three major powers wiped out in one go. Mm. Yes, something's I, definitely going to happen. I think we we should lay some odds. So I'm I'm going to go for total massacre caused by the the Thargoids at five to one. Any other any other takers? <laughs> Nothing will happen. I think I'm uh, I've got the are going to do something. <laughs> well, uh, some of the odds that we've just put in for fun are total massacre caused by the Emperor seven to one. No, no, I'm no just I'm not going to take that. Total massacre caused by the uh, by Jupiter Rockefeller Rochester. I've got that at nine to one. Again, probably a nope. Total massacre by violinists, ten to one. Do we have a partial massacre? We can have okay. Any violence caused by these, then? I, I, I'm going for violence caused by violinists. Okay, um, not, not a total success. Okay, um, violence caused by any power play leader at fifteen to one. No power play leaders are interesting because. Uh, I think players feel a degree of sense of ownership over them, which they probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't often see power play leaders doing morally dubious things, I think, partly for that reason. <laughs> I've got I... every, everything going without a hitch, 100 to 1 against. 
I, yes, no, I'll I, take I, that I, bet. I, I think they will sit around a table and they will share joysticks and sing Kumbaya, and then they'll have a really happy time and then go home. Uh, yeah, do you mean like they did in Ali G? Ali G, the movie, managed to sort out more. Well, it's either that or it'll be a red wedding situation, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> Why, what happens in this red wedding? I've heard a lot about it. Good red um, for a reason. It's <laughs> horrendous. It's terrible, terrible television. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Souverine, it's your moment to shine in the sun because we've had. There we go. Um, yes, we've had in the other room playing Mario, and she just every Tuesday she just might must find it so bizarre that I sit here quietly in the living room doing doing my podcast thing, and then just scream store alert at the top of my lungs. Like it must be the only thing she can hear through the wall. I also hope that's not the only reason why we have Seabreen on the show, Colin. Just to do that a bit. No, no, we we know why we could record it. No, I, I've I've come to terms with why I'm here. Like, I get it. Nobody else can do it as no, nobody else is nobody else can do it from the diaphragm like I can. Like I I, I get it. I, I I know I know what I bring to the table. It's fine. Give it a go. Actually, Colin, quite mild mannered and quiet. So I think his store alert would be remarkable. Maybe it would be a more a more sensitive rendition. Yeah, sort I, of the emotion I, and expectation. Yeah, like a like an instrument, like like an acoustic cover. You must be joking. <laughs> well, this week they covered the asp, and you've got predator skins for the asp. Yes. Why is the Why have they got predator skins? Asp is nearly as lack of a predator as the Pipe Seven. It's like sorry, I'm going to differ. Yeah, trying to make a lake on shit. Seems exciting. Yeah. I, I beg to differ. When I first got my ass, I felt invulnerable. Yeah, but that's because at the time everybody else was in piddling little cobras, and an asp versus a cobra, and an asp would eat cobras the, for the asp, Well, the asp was the first ship which I could reliably and safely, uh, comfortably and easily take down an anaconda in. Mm. Whereas. You know, before when I was flying an Eagle or a Type 7, or even a Cobra, it you know, I could do it, but it was risky. Uh, so um, what we're going to do is we are going to take our, our usual break, and we will come back with our main discussion, which was um, the deep dive into what Dr. Ross uh, was explaining. This is a public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 3. If you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. 4. Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. 5. Stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any 
questions? Have you been missold PPI? Python Protection Insurance was missold if you didn't want it, ask for it, or need it. I was missold Python Protection Insurance and I got a claim worth 3,000 credits. At Cowell and McGrath, we are ready to pursue claims for pilots who were sold PPI, even though they didn't have an escape pod. When my partnership was destroyed, the insurance became invalid. I settled out of court for enough credits to restart my narcotics and weapons shipping business. Millions have been missold Python Protection Insurance they can never claim, simply because they don't have an escape pod. Why should you pay for not reading the small print? My husband was missold PPI. As a result of our claim, we now own Jupiter. Cowell and McGrath, turning your carelessness into profitable lawsuits. I don't know. I don't know. Come on. We will, we will see about uh, that next week, shall we? Anyway, should we, we apologize. Should we give, should we give people a, a, a spoiler about Tune in next week for the Barbershop Store Alert. Listeners, we are we, we, in the advert break, we, we hit upon the genius idea of forming a Lave Radio Barbershop Quartet to record a store alert song. And if you have a tune or uh, or would like to suggest lyrics for this, then uh, then do let us know because a barbershop quartet store alert song uh, would be a tremendous addition to Live Radio, I think, and 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 just broadcasting history generally. I must admit, I have never <laughs> so far. Someone said, right, you need to do do it to the sit the fish advert. Um, the lion sleeps tonight. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the lion. Yes, that's that's a good one. That's very oh, good. Some <laughs> someone will get thirty-seven arcs to hear it. <laughs> not doing. Not, you won't do the Agadoo. Oh, Agadoo the galaxy, the, the mighty galaxy, the store alerts us tonight. <laughs> it's a winner. Ventura says, "Remember copyright." <laughs> <laughs> It's parody. That won't be a problem. Uh, I would I would be so flattered if an algorithm somewhere mistook me for copyrightable material. In the newsletter, the bi-weekly newsletter, the store. Oh, he's off now. He's off. <laughs> anyway, main discussion. Um, as, with, as you are all aware, uh, Dr. K. Ross was on the live stream last Thursday doing a lot of explanations about how the Stella Forge has changed and how planetary services have changed um, in the up-and-coming mo- odyssey. So um, let's start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. Uh, and the first question that was asked to her was, what is the Stella Forge? Now, this is obviously uh, for the newbies out there. Most of us are familiar, but it is a framework which they input data and get out space stuff that, were, that they want. <laughs> They've built this uh, framework with what uh, raw data they have in the, in the Milky Way. Uh, and then they feed it into it, and it makes basically best guesses about what should come out, and then procedurally determina- deterministically offers a physically plausible series of star systems which represent the Milky Way. Um, examples of Milky Way data included our layout, mass distribution, age, regions, and lots more. So, um, yeah. The Stellar Forge guys. Uh, now, the last time we talked about the Stellar Forge, 
Dr. Ross did a um, a deep dive in it at uh, it wasn't the Frontier Expo. Wow, was it that long ago? That was such a good presentation. I wonder how much of that has been revised due to improvements in Horizons and now Odyssey. I guess we'll find that out when we get there. But because <clears throat> further on down the list, she did talk about uh, other changes, didn't she, to the um, mechanics? Indeed, there's a lot. I don't know if people realise, because I only spotted this relatively recently, that actually there's a complete transcript of the um, of the of the K Ross's talk on the forum. Um, and I found reading it that there was a lot that had sort of passed me by and listening to it and reading it. It was like, oh gosh, I don't even remember her saying that. There's some really good stuff in here, actually. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it it is quite a. This is this is. Is this the uh, the transcript from the first presentation or what? No, this one. This one last last week. Yeah, this this is some of the things that um, is in that transcript. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what everyone will make of this. Um, ooh, question: Can you describe something funny that's happened with the Stella Forge? And um, basically, said so one of the funniest things was the Harry Ball theorem. Apparently. Um, if you have a sphere or an object uh, and it's got hair pointing out all over it, around it, apparently you can't have it. Only Ben thought up. Yes, Ben, what, what are your thoughts on these hairy balls? Can you have hairy balls, Ben? I you don't just know. need to use some VEAT, it's fine. Ben, hairy balls, what do you think? I think you should make well, the VEAT. They're not really for me. I'd, I'd ask, I would inquire that of any one of our partners. And I think that's actually the more important question, but moving on. And um, they have said, if something gets inputted wrong, what we have ended up with is essentially a very hairy planet to show the very frustrating hairy ball theorem. These are tiny spikes that are everywhere, and it looks fuzzy. It's a very expensive way of rendering fur, and we do not recommend You know what? I've never <laughs> seen a hairy ball planet. Has any of you seen a hairy ball planet? No. It's an error. K got rid of them. Yeah, exactly. They're not meant to be there. It's a known mathematical problem when you're converting squares into circles, I believe. (laughs) I think we need need more hairy balls in the universe. (laughs) Anyway, um, so they've built a galaxy. How do you go about the finer details? Well, um, yes, Last time they did a talk on this, it went into detail about how planets start not as spheres, but as cubes, and with square patches that make up the cubes. Everything then becomes a sphere and is then offset to generate them to represent terrain. For Horizon, that terrain was generated entirely mathematically. There was a lot of effort put into representing the kind of shapes and hills and canyons just using maths. For Odyssey, there's an entirely different approach for making these offsets. Um, it takes the view of starting big and then refining small, so a planet has lots of stellar forged data associated with it. Things like gravitational stress, the crust uh, the crust is under, the proportion of depth, which is its crust or magma and core. And it just, I mean, the amount of stuff that um, she explains in this, it just makes, it begin, it just makes you begin to understand how much work has gone in to get this scientifically accurate. I mean, what do you guys think of this? Because it, it, it's... I think it's staggering, personally. I think it's, you know, we, we we joke about the simplicity of the game and all sorts of stuff like that, but when she goes into the detail of how these planets are generated, 
you know, it really gives an appreciation of the amount of coding and complexity that lies under the surface. <laughs> I think this first one, it, this is this is one of the ones where, when on rereading it, I thought this is actually really interesting. So there's there's a line that says, um, "For horizons, the terrain is generated entirely mathematically." Mm-hmm. If you if you, I'm sure most people have noticed this, but although in some ways, you know, each mountain range or each valley in horizons looks sort of different there's a sameness about them you um i remember when horizons was first um when they first talked about horizons and before we got hold of it thinking oh it'll be really interesting to you know to i don't know have a race to some noticeable landmark but there are no noticeable landmarks really everything is it looks brilliant but the, there's nothing that sort of stands out you can't say oh it i'll meet you be, well it not really Redid the, it. No, the landscape in Horizons always reminds me of that thing where you know they they sort of used to show on Open University or something where you you start combining sine waves and you get this sort of terrain that's, that's sort of random but there's a there's a sameness to it. And what I find really exciting about this is they're they're, they're basically saying they're not going to do it like that anymore. Um, you know, they're going to instead of using this sort of mathematically generated terrain, they're going to start modeling it much more accurately and there's a nice phrase what was it um uh, this might make the terrain more chaotic uh more flat plains or basins and things like that from you know i think we're really going to start to see um really interesting noticeably different terrain which i I, I will say the images we got back from mars could almost be higher resolution versions of some of the planets i've landed on they (laughs) really you know the i was thinking about the actual way the rocks are strewn about and the you know this way this crater looks mm, at yeah. the moment it's almost identical in feel to what we see in horizons and i think that's that is very good to see uh so do you want to jump in there uh yeah the um uh i just wanted to add to what alex said i think he's absolutely right that the 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 horizons planets are interesting because they um there's you know you you clearly could um that they're not just tiled you know you you clearly no. could say oh you know I'll meet you at this mountain or whatever but that but they're not really very memorable and i've always thought it's because they don't seem like they're sort of tectonically informed they yeah. they seem like yeah. they're just uh they're just they're just height maps generated by a that have been put through put through some noise basically um, or have had noise applied to them, even. And um, the ice planets are slightly different to this. The, the ice planets, I feel like they, um, the ones that are close to large gas giants, they they do look like they've had um, they've had a, a sort of wider um, uh, process applied to them. You know, simulating sort of uh, gravity contracting and and uh, working on on the ice. And they, they you know, they, it does look like there might be something like um, tectonic movement informing the layout of the terrain but i'm not sure whether that's the case it could just be it just could it just could be the way that the, those planets are generated um it could just be yeah. the, 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 I mean, the algorithm it, it's but very the, good um, what we have now it's very good but but you can't you definitely can tell that it's that that thing of it being generated mathematically you also get the thing as you know as you sort of fly down in glide mode there's that kind of thing of you're sort of zooming in and seeing more and more detail but each level of detail shows the same sort of shapes 
Yes, as, yeah, yeah. Previous it, players, you know what I mean. It's it's fractal. It, it, yeah, you know, you you, you you the more you zoom in, you see the same patterns. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. The um and and what I've always felt, just to finish up, what I've always felt I would like to see from a really great planetary generation system is um is using tectonics as the first principles because think things like things like rain shadows and and, and mountain ranges and um and plains they, they don't form randomly. That planets aren't formed in the real world. For because they've had their height maps that have had noise applied to them. They're, they're um, you know, mountains are pushed up where plates where plates push together, and and um, uh, you know, plains form in 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 rain shadows, and uh, and you know, forests form in 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 river basins, and all, all that sort of thing. You know, you know, and 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 to, it it all comes down to tectonic plates because tecton the movement of tectonic plates informs where the mountains are. And that informs where the the forests and the savannas and the the deserts and all the rest of it and and where the and where the where the patterns work. Um, and I feel like that if we could if you could get to an approach like that that uses those principles, you'd end up with you'd end up with things that were recognizable landmarks, and you could say, oh hey, that's the that's the forest of X, or that's the that's Dave. the plain of Y, or that's the mountain range of Z, um, and and it would feel more personable because they would they, they would be generated according to those. Uh, processes. Yeah, they've always talked about tectonics ever since you know Horizons first launched. So, so I think the the, the concept is in there. But I, I I think what we'll see is Odyssey, you know, representing that much more strongly. I hope. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, well, hopefully, when it comes to actual Earth-like planets, they'll have that technology locked down. I don't think they they really need it for the moment. Well, you, you say that, but as an example of an Earth-like world, Earth-like worlds that aren't generated like that, it is No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky have they have settlements, they have trees, they have um, mm -hmm. oceans. You know, No Man's Sky planets have loads of the stuff that we would like to see from elite, dangerous atmospheric planets. But they're they're they don't. It's one homogenous biome. There are no there's no noticeable climate difference at the poles than there is to the um, the equator. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just a height map that has got, that's had a cave a, a cave algorithm applied to it. Um, you know, there's there's no so so I I do think that it, I don't think it's as simple as oh it'll all be all right when we get atmospherics. I do I do think you can do it well and you can do it badly and you you can you can apply tectonic principles and use those first principles as a as a terrain generator and you, it's also possible to not do it and it's superficially okay. But No Man's Sky has exactly the same thing that Alec just described, whereby you mm -hmm. land somewhere and you're like, okay, well I know that this is unique. I know that there is no other set of that, that, that there's no other scene that is exactly the same as this in this 18 quintillion system mm. galaxy that they've made, but it still looks very, very familiar, like everywhere else. Um, yeah. And um, and that is purely because that that it, it's it's literally just hype map with noise. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. That actually brings me onto a question that I'll I'll ask later. I'm thinking about it. I'll ask it later. Um, meanwhile, uh, next question. Uh, would you say your approach for Odyssey is more accurate? Um, the reply was yes. We've got the layers going from the top level down. We're trying to get the detail in all the way and represent it from a distance. So you can see the detail from further out, which will make a difference. The system we made for Horizons was good for Horizons. I'm very proud of what the team did. Uh, still enjoying seeing screenshots and screenshots and stuff on Twitter, but she's looking forward to seeing what we make of Odyssey. Uh, I wanted a system that was robust enough to handle things without having to do another remake of any of the tech, and that's why it's changed. And we have all the detail. Basically, it's a further refinement, not a rewrite. 
Hurrah. I mean, that's very encouraging, that, that comment, that final comment about a system robust enough um, to not have a, a remake. I, I sort of read that as, um, you know, with this new iteration of the planetary tech, um, they're basically having to do a wipe of all the surfaces. So mm-hmm. all your sort of favorite canyons aren't going to be there anymore on the mountains. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a pain for us. I'm sure it's a pain for Frontier as well. There are manually placed assets, things like the the gantries on the engineer bases that they will have to do manual work i'm sure to you know to relay those out and i'm sure they'd rather not have to do it yet again next time so this does sound like they're you know they're forward thinking here and and trying to put in a system that they won't have to change again fingers crossed harking Uh, back to last week do you think they should combine that exercise with what we said last week about removing outposts and bases on inappropriate worlds you mean there's outposts some places where you don't think there should be? Yeah, high G world. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's that is an interesting point. Well, first of all, Ben, you you had a point to. We're being optimistic here, probably, but do we do we think they have ideas of what future proofing things they're going to need? You know, for example, you know, one of the things we we've often harked about, for example, is lava worlds, and then we're also going to have more atmospheric planets as well. Will do we think that this new, or do we hope that this new planet tech can cope with lava, atmospheres, maybe even everything up to gas giants? Okay, Souverine, do you have an answer for that? Uh, yes, and I think, and my answer is, this is going to sound quite negative, but my answer is, I think you're getting your hopes up. Um, it sounds really good when developers say, yeah, we, we've completely overhauled it and we're future-proofing it and we, we've made it so that we won't have to do it again. Um, mm. And because players think, oh, great, that means they've got really long-term plans for the game. That means it's not going to be, it's not going to go into maintenance mode. They're, you know, <clears throat> it means that they're, they're planning it for the long haul. It, it, you know, it, it, it sounds, it sounds great. It sounds so much better than we patched a load of systems together that roughly, that roughly work and don't throw too many bugs. And, uh, and now we're going to ship it. Um, but it's also something that we've heard before, uh, and um, and David Braben and the devs were at pains to stress when the game was in was being kickstarted and developed that you know I remember David saying that they built the game to run on not just 4K but also 8K and 16K monitors, yeah. um, and um, uh, and <clears throat> I vaguely remember comments like uh, like you know we're, we we've We've built. Um, actually, no, I, I don't vaguely remember. I, I, I definitely remember comments like we've designed the the ships, the interior ship layout um, with uh, with space legs know, in mind. Yeah, space legs in mind, and and um, you know we've designed the game from the ground up with these systems in mind. And then and then you know that that tune six years later, the tune is very much. Have you you know it, it's now very much. Have you any idea how complex this game is? Do you have any idea how difficult it would be to do to do X Y Z? Um, and um, uh, so I feel like I, I don't I don't necessarily think that anybody's being dishonest, but I, f- I feel like saying yes, we've re- we've we've we're future proofing it so that we can so that we don't have to rebuild the system in the future is uh, is probably easier to say than uh, than necessarily uh, sort of take it as gospel. Um, lots 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 of things were ostensibly designed with the future in mind for Elite and uh, and haven't and and things haven't worked out. In precisely that way so it wouldn't surprise me if uh you know for, for an example of this is is uh horizons in which the uh the the, the srv just won't work with multi-crew 
Um, that was an example of something that clearly wasn't built with posterity in mind. Um, so yeah, and I, I, I guess let, just let's not get our hopes up. Like what we're getting is Odyssey. We 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 haven't been told about lava yeah. planets. We haven't been told about about forested planets or, or cities or or um or traversable ones. Anyway, um, like we 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 we've not been. Um, I, I would I would say that what we're getting is what we've seen in the Odyssey teasers and no more. Okay, Shan. I'd go on what what Sue just said. Really, I mean, there's uh, the one of the things. There's a question I believe asked of the development team at Parallel Lavecon a few years ago about what sort of planets can we look forward to landing on. And at the time, lava worlds were categorically ruled out because of the graphical demands of all the lava and making it convincing. Um, the other thing I my mini rant is that I really get annoyed at when people say, "Oh, we're future proofing it." Because there's no such thing as future-proofing. For me, future-proofing means I don't have to buy it again for a year, but then after that, I'll probably have to change it. So we're future-proofing it. It's just marketing speak. It doesn't actually mean anything. I'm sure they sort of mean it. I, I'm sure they've, they've, they've written this code with some thought towards you know the, the planets next on the list that they want to open up, and they've you know, probably thought ahead and, you know, oh, we'll need... We'll need it to cope with this sort of thing, and they've written the code in a way that hopefully will. But of course, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I dare say they tried to do that with Horizons, and of course, you know, game tech moves on, and in six years' time, they'll probably, you know, maybe they will be looking back, thinking, "Oh, we're going to have to rewrite it again because we're we're just in a new place now." Um, but I, I suspect they've tried to write it with some future proofing in mind. Um, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, as anyone who's tried to write future-proof yeah, code. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I guess optimistically, I'd like to think it might stand for one more generation of planets. So whatever it is they choose to open up next, um, you know, maybe it'll be good enough to support um, riverbeds or something or, or lakes, who knows? It would have been a great question, actually. Um, you know, what it, it would have been an interesting leading question of what else could your... Yes. Support. Could it support yes. waterfalls? Could it support rivers? Could it support yeah. forests? You know, it, it would be fascinating to hear Dr. K's response to that. Actually, yeah, because there was a um, there was an interview with David Braben about how far could the procedural generation tech go, and he said all down all the way down to a blade of grass, if I remember rightly. But um, obviously, that's what the, it could potentially be. Whether or not we're technically there is another matter. Was that when they were selling pre-orders for the game, by any chance? <laughs> uh, I think it was actually in one of our interviews. What, with David Braben? Did we interview David Braben? Yes. Oh, cool. Nice. I think we've, we've, inter we've interviewed him twice. Interesting. I didn't know that. Not since I've been on the show. <laughs> yeah, funny about that, Jan. Shan has a tendency to make devs run away. I mean, he has a tendency to make everyone run away. Oh, that's really mean. Ooh, really cruel, Sue. Right, you're singing. You're singing my part of the song <laughs> next week on your own. How about that? I, I can't sing two parts of a barbershop quartet. We have Push we have that. sampling technology. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just procedurally generate Shan. No, no. You just think about it. I mean, you you can you. Can, You've got all these these loopers that are going around, able to to do entire symphonies just using their own voice. There you go. You've That's got true, to do a yeah. barber shop cutter all by yourself now. 
Jesus Christ. Come on, do a radio show, they said. Just come and help with a podcast, they said. Now I'm an entire barbershop quartet on my own. Oh, you love it, really. Anyway, (laughs) what type of planet is this new tech going to be applied to? Well, every planet you can land on before and the new ones opening up will be using this approach. Old services can't be representative of this new approach and you're going to get a much larger variety using this new tech. So that's obviously for people who upgrade to Odyssey. As as we've noted before, if you're still on Horizons, you're not going to get the new tech. I thought they said you'll be able to get some of the new tech, not all of it. Was that only about the certification? I heard a comment somewhere that um, if you didn't have Odyssey, then planet surfaces would look the way they used to. Yeah, that, that's I the impression that, that I got. No, that's oh, actually, no, mate, no, actually, no, I, I tell a lie. That's what the console players will see until Odyssey launches for them later in the year. Makes sense. Yeah. Because there was an issue that came up, somebody sort of asked me and sort of said, so if we, you know, for example, if we came up with a new um, race, a buckyball race, and sort of round about mm-hmm. July, say, that was, or, or whenever, um, that was on a planet surface, then console players wouldn't be able to join in because the surface wouldn't look the same to them, um, which is probably true. Yeah. Looking Actually, that's, that's a couple of oh. questions down for that answer. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So so the question question that we've already answered here, and this is, will console users see the changes at the same time as PC users? Nope. Console players who purchase the expansion will experience the planetary tech changes when it's released for their platform. So, uh, no. (laughs) So I I guess that's um, Buckyball Racers kind of split until everyone gets the same level? Maybe. Looking through the looking through the, the list of questions, uh, one thing that we maybe need to consider for each one is, I think it was at the last physical WaveCon, someone asked about, when they um, unveiled their new planetary tech, you know, those amazing screenshots of white planets, mm-hmm. they said, oh, look at what we can do, and you won't need to change your graphics card. To get it, you know, the requirements will be the same. Have they said anything about graphics requirements for Odyssey? Have they increased, or are they assuming they the same graphics card? Is there the a same. comment in here about lighting? Um, yeah, there is, but um, <laughs> there is there is uh, a comment about this, and um, but there there is a couple of things that I need to just highlight. First of all, some of those stunning images that we got shown at LaveCon. Uh, a couple of years ago, those images were not um, renders. They were. This is what we were, were aiming for. They weren't actual renders of um, what they were hoping for. Well, yeah. of what they they, capa- they they'd managed to produce. Um, they were artistic renders about. Oh, this is the kind of thing we're shooting for, uh, and I hope we get there. So. <laughs> what we saw in Livecom a couple of years ago, I don't think can up can apply. Um, let's see where else have we got? Are non-landable planets seeing these changes too? And it says no. The planetary tech is only focusing on planets you can land on, so you can see the detail up close. I mean that makes perfect sense to me. I mean why waste processing power where on something that your players won't be able to? to access 
Indeed. And my only concern on that, I suppose, is that there isn't some jarring disconnect between what the new planets look like from space and what the old ones look like from space. You know, they, they need to look like they're both in the same game. <clears throat> yeah, we don't really want to see a return to the beige plague on non-landable planets, really, do we? No, I mean, that's, yeah. Um, I think they've learnt their lesson on that one. After <laughs> the amount of work that they put in beyond just to get that that one sorted. Um, next question. Does it make you sad that players might not see the perfect alignment of planets and stars before moving on, missing out on some stunning views? Um, well, there's a range of feeling on that. Uh, there's the, can we test every single possible combination of the galaxy? Obviously not. Uh, and what does the lighting here look like in two years' time? Well, we don't get to see that. Um, we do get to see the, the screenshots on Reddit and Twitter, and they spend a lot of time um, looking and enjoying the sites that people discover. So um, I, th I think it's a case of, in this one, yeah, some of the views that you're used to having are going but there should be some better ones coming. Yeah, it, it struck me as an odd question, really, actually. I mean, you, you, we're never going to see <clears throat> every perfect alignment of every planet, so so what? <laughs> I don't really understand should... the question. No. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It seems, it seems a bit weird. It, it, it seems like, uh, I, I don't know whether they're asking, I've got no idea what they're asking, really. Did, did, yeah, did it mean that somehow it's Dr. K. Ross's <laughs> responsibility that every that every player see every vista on every planet? Yeah, it's an odd question. It's a bit of a train spotter answer, though, isn't it? A question, really, isn't it? Because I can just see forum people getting their salt shaker out and going, oh, the view from 54.68.hip isn't correct based on the stellar alignment, etc. So, yeah. You know, maybe maybe somebody's done their maths and they've worked out that in three and a half years' time there's going to be some amazing view and um, they've suddenly been robbed of that. Well, yeah. tough. <laughs> Oh, you mean um, rhubarb and custard won't do the same thing as they used to? Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> right. Um, uh, how comparable are the changes you're making to Odyssey to those of Horizons? Um, it's the same but different. We've talked a lot about planets, but in the second half of what my team does is lighting, which is another thing that's changed a lot for Odyssey. Horizons was a fantastic and heavy undertaking to introduce full-scale planets, um, which people don't tend to do because planets are hard. Um, when it comes to Odyssey, we've got a framework there of how to make a planet and a surface, but the process in which the shape of the surface is decided, how the resources are streamed in, in and out and combined, is a large un undertaking. It hasn't been a weekend or two of work. So that's that says to me that um, it's been a lot more complicated than they were expecting. Yeah, maybe. I don't know about expecting. I, I think they will have known it was a big deal. Yeah, it's been a massive chunk of work. They've yeah. worked on it. It includes both Stellar Forge and rendering. And I think it's... It, it's Yeah, they hard, hard job, hopefully well done. Yeah, did you want to touch on something about views and collisions? I actually, you you actually segued into it earlier with the rhubarb oh. and custard. Oh, um, sorry. So, so yeah, I do wonder though: will the regeneration of the of Stellar Forge will it 
fix in inverted commas planets colliding into each other. I kind of hope so. I kind of hope not. Kind of. I'm sure it will introduce new anomalies that will. I'm. I'm <laughs> you yeah. Know, yeah, that we'll I, all flock I'm to. I'm sure we'll get we'll get new monoliths. We'll get square planets. We'll get planets that are inside out. We'll get ball hairy planets. ball planets. God, God knows what. And we'll all flock to them and see them and photograph them, and then they'll slowly. Please fix don't them know and... return hollow frontier. Oh yeah, please keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah agreed. Yeah. Oh, I'll be so upset if Mitra and Hollow. I, I I feel generally that 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 they're they're changing everything below a certain level. So they're changing. You know, things at the surface level. Yeah. change but the you know the arrangement and speed and mass and diameter and movement of the planets themselves i think is unchanged i do wonder what what's this going to mean for the for the view i don't think the gravity of a planet will change no no but i, I you know you you know the 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 system known as the view though is that the one that's very high gravity or is that the one that is within it's, the it's uh, about three gravity is it the one that's within the um, uh, within the exclusion zone of a, uh, no, of a neutron star? That's that's the world of death. That's it. Yeah, yes. I was going to say. So, if something is remarkable just simply because it's got high gravity, it will probably still be remarkable once the uh, once Odyssey drops. I'd have thought. But that's that's not the view. The view is. I'd have to look up the actual system name. Um, it's just basically it's an absolutely glorious view, isn't it? Oh, cool. I don't know if is there anything actually. Alex, do you know if there's anything special about about the place, other than the fact it's damp? I I don't know that I've been to it. I'm trying to remember what it's a view of. Is it is it planetary alignments and things? In which case, yeah. I guess that won't really change. I mean, the planets that you see might change um, color, I suppose. But it's HR six one six four. After a quick Google, um, planets. Blah, 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 blah. Um. Oh yes, somebody's just yeah. reminded me one of the speed bowls was at the view. So um yeah, I imagine Yeah, that's that's the last time I, I visited it. I did I, I did see Primetime Casual comment actually. I, I, so for those that took part in I think it was Speed Bowl four, it sort of finished yep. by flying through this nice crack in the rim of a crater. And I'd so imagine I, that crack's gonna go. Yes, I imagine that will be gone. In fact the crater might be gone, I suppose. Probably not. The the whole planet will have will have miraculously reformed around us. Fascinating. I wonder what's going to happen actually if you landed on planets when when you change. From <laughs> this was from this was discussed quite a lot on the forum. I think the general suggestion is that we'll probably all get kicked to orbit. Deep diving on these ones. Uh, what the players can look forward to regards lighting in Odyssey. Well, they said they've made quite a lot of changes uh, on the rendering site, and to list a few examples, they now have some per pixel lit particles. They have some more shadowed spotlights working together, and also I finally have physical base materials that have all the information of how rough they are and how should they respond to light. If you feed these through realistic lighting values, they work at how things look, and that's part of the reason why the new planets are looking very nice, because it's a combination of the lighting from the atmosphere, the star, and any lights around you. It does seem that you're still coming from one... um, light source such as one star they've said they're not handling uh, light coming from binary or tertiary star systems yet yeah it's a shame um I, but, I, it's, it's something that i only that only started to bug me after i became aware of it but since i became aware of it, it it's um 
it's a bit of an irritant that you only get light from one source. Uh, but I completely understand why they do it. It, it interests me that uh, that it's um, that it's performance intensive to do to have more than one light source. Are we assuming then there won't be any ray tracing in RTX? Yep. Um, yeah, yes, because they said that it will run on present graphics cards. So, you know... It will run on present graphics cards. It just adds extra shininess. I mean, I think that... I, I did Google... I don't know if anyone here knows anything about per-pixel lit particles. I did Google pixel, per-pixel lighting, and it, and it seemed to sort of be the norm or almost. The alternative is vertex lighting, so... Per pixel is like the lighting sort of affects every spot, if you like, and vertex lighting is lighting sort of deals with edges. So I'm not sure per pixel lit particles is incredibly new, unless I've missed something. Hmm. But um, but physically based materials that have information about how rough they are, that's actually quite exciting because you know currently every surface, whether it's the edge of a rock or the top of a mountain, is is made of the same sort of game stuff. So it all lights and reflects the same, but suddenly the idea that we're going to have, you know, rough surfaces and shiny surfaces, and that that's really quite exciting, actually. Yeah, that is interesting. Mm. The next question was quite interesting as well. Um, are some of the planet tapes getting some more love, so to speak? Um, th there are certain planet uh, classes that... Um, uh, Horizons deals with, which was rocky, metal-rich, high metal content, rocky, ace, and ac. Um, it does appear that the rocky, ac world is going to have a much more distinct look um, than the the standard rocky planet. So, saying of a combination of both the ice planet and the the rocky planet. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the strong sense reading through all this that Horizons basically picks from quite a small sub you know it's like which one of these five things is it and then they apply some random numbers and generate a, mm. a you know a planet of type five whereas what they're now doing is having you know loads of variables to do with mass and heat and tectonic shifts and stuff feeding into a whole new way of drawing the surface to give much more variety that's kind of what i get from all this yeah uh, the next one's actually um Kind of makes sense to me from a mathematical point of view, as will large worlds feature tall mountains or geological features? Now, this is an interesting question. The reason why these features are shallower on large planets is, well, there is a reason. Uh, the increased gravitational strains, you can't maintain a tall natural feature with the strength of the material it's made out of, so you end up with shallower features. Um and that's how the, the maths drops out for it. So there's a good rid of planets, but the tiny ones are going to be the ones where you get the extreme terrain because of the lower gra gravity, the, the terrain can exist. Uh, and of course, that didn't occur to me until I, you know, I saw the answer to this question and suddenly realized, yeah, you won't see massive mountain ranges on a 3G planet because that mount those mountains have got to be formed against 3G, which mm. is a lot more obviously difficult. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's really interesting. It, it's one of those things that um, you know, it's a, a little light bulb goes on the back of your head and goes, oh, of course it'll work out that way. Why did that not occur to me before? Um. Does planetary tech allow for new land features such as caves in the future? 
well, she's, this one's a, a no, I'm afraid. Caves aren't currently part of the plan for Odyssey. The focus is instead on planet-wide improvement. I, th- I think we kind of expected that one. Yeah, it's already we, we already knew that. We know that. It's yeah. a shame, but we sort of know that. Maybe next time. But this was quite interesting. Will atmosphere, atmospheric worlds feature weather effects such as wind and dust? And so, yes, there'll be some visible effects visible on the surface. <laughs> it was interesting in the stream, wasn't it? I know. I guess Suv didn't see it, but but they're, they're really paraphrasing the answer here. But there was there was a lot of sort of yes, and then sort of realizing maybe she was about to say too much and sort of backtracking and saying, "Well, no," and then there'll be some visible effect. My, my hunch—I don't know what others think. My hunch is that she was about to say something to the effect of, "There's no." wind that will affect the flight model yeah will, yeah but there will be visible effects yeah. and then she suddenly thought i'm not sure if i'm supposed to announce that and tried to sort of quickly move past it but but that's my hunch is that she was going to say something to the effect of not really not wind in the sense of your ship were going to get blown around yeah that makes sense on the live stream today didn't they announce there was no hurricanes or big wind effects yeah yeah on it i think so yeah. Uh, so, how will the new planetary tech affect volcanism and the integration of volcanic features into the, into the terrain? We will be using the scatter system to ensure that volcanic regions are placed in the correct areas of volcanic worlds. I have a question here that I'm I'm curious what people think. There's been a mm-hmm. couple of points in this where it's talked about different sorts of features being in different on different parts of the planet rather than there being this sort of unique uniform random algorithm that does the same thing all over the planet does anyone think materials might go hand in hand with that because at the moment i think there's a lot of fud out there and people think materials are found in the middle of craters or on the edge of ravines i think that's nonsense i think they're randomly scattered frankly and yeah, I, I wonder, wouldn't it be nice if suddenly, you know, the the, the iron deposits were in, associated with certain features and the sulfur was associated with certain features? I'd love that. That'd be really cool. I th- I, my, my feeling is that the, the outcrops on planets are um, distributed in the same way that um, the, sca- the scattered rocks are, yeah. in the same way yeah. that, that Kay Ross describes. Sean? Uh, going on the material formation mm-hmm. and things like that, it's it's interesting because when I've been gathering materials on planets, it almost as if like you, if you reset the seed by relogging, mm-hmm. logging back in again, you can get a different mix of materials. You, it's almost like you reset the spawns mm-hmm. by by relogging or going out of range or something and coming back. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see because, like yourself, I always thought different materials spawned in the middle of the craters because there was a spreadsheet produced many years ago where people noted down what materials spawned where. Um, But as I went on, it did seem to be, it was very much more of a randomised of a subset regardless of where you are rather than anything specifically geographical. Yeah. Um, Next question. How does the Stella Forge place planetary bases and installations? Now, this is something I've I've always wanted to know. Um, There are ways that we place settlements on planet surfaces. The outposts and ports use a simple uh, radio flattening of an area. So we know a port or outpost is going to be there 
or a little bit of deviation if there's a crater port. For things like the Guardian sites, they use stamps. Uh, they've authored a resource of what terrain should look like underneath at this point, and we can tailor where it goes and decide how it blends in. With Odyssey, we've expanded this a bit so that across the stamp there can be variations of height is calibrated to, which leads to more interesting levels. Um, the one thing that I really hope that they've managed to do is work out a way to put racetracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, my takeaway from this, and I don't get it from this wording, so maybe maybe what she said was slightly different on stream, but, but this thing of different levels, what I, what I took it, slightly to mean is that currently you know if you if you think of the the classic sort of planetary base not not the big round ones but the other ones mm. there's all sorts of variations of how many outbuildings and you know the, the huge amount of variation but the variation is all two-dimensional if you know what i mean if you look straight down on it the plan view is where the variation is but they're all on the same level yeah, and what I'm sort of wondering is whether this is going to allow that sort of variation to cope, you know, with bases that are slightly up a hill, so there'll be three different levels to them, or that'd be really interesting. Yeah, because the engineered bases are like that. There yeah. are engineered I mean, I, bases yeah. where you've got pads and at that, different heights. Wouldn't it be great if all the you know the thousands of procedurally generated bases are equally, you know, yeah, shaped? Be really cool. Look, it is regarding things like that. Um, is first of all, if you have a multi-level base, either it's on different stories or whatever, mm. you go inside. Will that mirror the external layout of the base? <laughs> Good question. Uh, and, and and then secondly, when I read through that, I, I thought, oh great, now it will be even harder to find a place to land the Guardian ruins. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think this is slightly off topic? But don't you think slightly that the places we can go inside so you know like inside the coriolis there's the social hub is like that one building yeah with, yeah i sort of feel that equally with these planetary bases anything we won't just be able to go inside and you know randomly wander the corridors and i, I think we'll be limited to the one room that's de designated the social area yeah are the gents then going to be somewhere close by other than <laughs> I think so, yeah. five corners and two flights of stairs and into yeah. places like they usually are? Yeah. I mean, they can simply say for a low reason, oh, all the pilots have to go this way because we don't want any of their bugs being transferred across the rest of the station. Yeah, slash I, think I think there'll be lots of off-limits areas. Mm. There's there's a reasonable there's a reasonable law justification for making the 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 experience of being a Pilots Federation member relatively segregated. Mm. Yeah, I think they should have executive lounges based on your Pilots Federation. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's, actually, that's actually more plausible, to be honest. So if, you, if you're elite, you sort of get into the first-class lounge, you know, and you've got as much donuts as you can eat and whatever. And if you're just, like, harmless, you're basically only allowed in the corner behind the plant. The, the elite area has the the um, suction toilets and the, and the plebs area has the gravity-fed ones that don't yeah. work quite well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, next question. Will atmospheric planets have visible poles with different biomes? Um, after an internal debate, we've ended up using the term geomones? Geomes. 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 Sounds like gnomes, doesn't it? Yeah. For different, 
There are different geomes across the planet. There are polar caps where the sh- where they should be, plains, mountain forming regions, and all the other nice stuff. So that sounds to me like that they've actually. It's it's not like the same map will be applied across the entire planet. Mm. It's it, it, you know there's. There'll be a strip where it will be polar caps, and the strip which will be. I, I found that that's very so important they, about the future. Yeah. So will they be? You know, you, you know, you have planets that always have a permanent dark side. Mm-hmm. For example, and that side will be significantly colder. Yeah. Than the light side. So will they then have the granularity to be able to say, well, that's always in the dark side, so therefore that side is icy in a like a polar region. And this side is always facing the sun, so therefore it's warmer. I'm just wondering, will they go to that level of detail, do you think? I don't know. I have to be that, actually, Shan. Okay. So, I believe the physics is still out on this, but one of the things they've noticed in, I want to say it's Mercury or something like you know, one of the things they've noticed is basically that because of the temperature differentials between the planets, mm-hmm. there is actually a shitload of wind trying to normalise the planet's temperature. Yeah, that makes sense. So, the idea is that the, the the dark side of the planet might not actually be as cold as you might think it is, and the hot side of the planet might not be as hot, and actually living on that boundary of in the twilight, shall we say, might not be the best idea. Interesting. But this is all theory, and basically nobody actually knows. Yeah, until um, until we send probes to Mercury uh, to find out and that they survive, then I don't think we will ever know, will we? How have we sent ships past? I don't think we've actually had something land on Mercury yet. Not land, but we had a comment from. Uh, Twitch that says a tidally locked planet in quotes should have a significant strain features on the sunward side, is what someone's mentioned. Whether it's correct or not, I'm not sure, but it sounds plausible. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, next question: Will Aurora be a visit be visible in atmospheric planets? Um, no. Is planets with the atmosphere will look different, but there's no no plans to add a visible aurora to them at the moment. Um, but yeah, I'm just thinking of the amount of work that it would be for very very little payoff. You get you just stand there, look at it, and go, "Oh, that's pretty." First time, and then you'd get bored of it after a while. I think. I don't know. I think that'd be. It's a shame they're not putting it in because that would be wonderful to look at. I think. Um, a final personal question: Do you fear? Uh, do you feel fear, more fear about space, the more you learn about it? And the answer is, um, what they found at university is that things start becoming larger and larger. And when you start using scales, you can't make sense, that don't make sense to humans anymore. Um, in particular, particle physical particle physics, for example. Once one can start disassociating the universe in your mind in these models so somehow it comes that far removed from themselves and our tactical interaction with it so it's less scary but more indescribable yeah it makes sense i mean that that's yeah that's one of the things that gets me everyone goes i'm I'm scared of flying because i'm scared of heights 
after I get above a thousand feet and I'm looking down on the on the on the ground, I'm not scared of heights because basically that feels so far away and disconnected from me. <laughs> it, it doesn't. Yeah, I guess on how how real it feels to you personally, because I can I completely understand the fear of heights, and I completely understand I don't know a fear of bees or anything like that on the planet because it's potentially near you. It's like saying, "Are you scared of black holes?" Well, no, because I'm not ever going to get anywhere near a black hole for it to worry me. When I'm a thousand feet up, I'm not scared of bees at all, not even a little. So, I mean, overall, what did everybody think to the to this uh, um, to this live stream? I mean, I thought it was it's something that I think they've been missing for a while, and I, I, it kind of reassures you because it's that complicated. You know, they've done a lot of work. I mean, I yeah, thought it was sorry, go on. you go. Um, I thought it was spectacular, and what I'm looking forward to is actually seeing this rendered in game and then relating it to what they were actually talking about in this Q&A because at the moment we've kind of got all these questions and this image of what it could be like in Odyssey and I think when you can see what it's like in Odyssey and you start to match that with that that's when the real appreciation of what they've been able to do I think comes I think it's great that we had it and we did get some nice little nuggets but I don't actually think... I, th- I think it suffered from a couple of things, frankly. One, and I, I love Arf, but Arf was fangirling over Kay. He maybe needed to do that a little bit less, and maybe just shut up and let, let Kay talk. <laughs> um, and I, I'm saying that with love and things like that, but... Yeah, because you were fangirling you know, over, Kay, over everything that she was saying as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't interrupting her. It is a, it is a recognised community manager thing. I remember when uh, in, in the early years, Ed Lewis used to host streams, and he used to just warble for fucking minutes on end, just <laughs> thanking everyone, thanking his interviewee, thanking the community, just banging on and on and on. And, and I sort of felt like sort of shaking the, the the TV and being like, "Shut up, man! Just introduce them and let them talk." Like it, this is it, coming it, to it, the show, which takes it, an hour to get to our main topic. Yeah, exactly. It's a C, it's a CM <laughs> nervous. It's a CM nervousness thing. I think it did feel a bit like the end of the Lord of the Rings, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that reference, Alec. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was great actually. I, I sort of got more out of it almost, like I said, from from rereading the transcript afterwards. Um, I, it was a shame there weren't any visuals, but I, I I suspect that's just because of working at home and COVID and just not having the access to resources. If anyone remembers, you know, um, Dr. Ross's first presentation many years ago, there were lots of nice little illustrative graphics about cubes and smaller cubes. and Yeah. Um, so, but, but it was fascinating. Very yeah, yeah, she could have illustrated some of that, but but um, it was absolutely fascinating, and I I found it very encouraging. Um, it's interesting that it feels like there's two sides to Elite, um, you know, as a game and the game engine. That there's some stuff that's bolted on. That's um, a lot <laughs> of stuff feels bolted on is a bit unfair. There's a lot of stuff that feels very half done. You know, bookmarks or something like that is is mm-hmm. like. Um, almost, you know, it's a very minimal sort of this will do sort of thing. 
But I, I almost feel like Kay Ross and, and her team of, I don't know if they're just allowed to get on with it, but, but go to, you know, go, go to sort of almost more depths than they need to. There's extraordinary stuff in here, um, which I'm so glad that this, that Frontier is still doing. Um, because I sort of yeah. feel like you, you almost they, they could almost have got away with not going into this level of detail. And Completely. Totally agree with that. And it's brilliant that they have. I mean, one of the reasons for the that I'm glad that they've gone into this level of detail is so that I think most of us know how much work has been done. Because yes. um there's But I don't just mean of... detail in the talk, I mean detail in the work they've done. Yeah. Because yeah. there's an awful lot of talk about oh it especially when you compare it to other systems which have been generated, you know, other games which generate star systems. Um, yeah. I, I'm glad know. they recognise that the realism is is still important and is at the heart of, of Elite Dangerous. Yeah, no matter what, no, no matter what game loops they bolt on top of it, the, the realism of the galaxy is, they, they clearly recognise that that realism is still very important to the heart of the game. Yeah. Well, um, does anybody else have any final comments to to say on this before we move on to the social, uh, the community corner? Yeah, I I wanted to say this did actually increase my enthusiasm and expectation for Odyssey. I think it's made me look forward to it more than I was previously. So if that was part of the aim of the talk, as far as I'm concerned, it, it worked. Right. Well, we'll move on to um, things that the community have been up to for the last week. Uh, well, we've only got two uh, things to really discuss this time. Uh, one of which will be close to uh, <laughs> close to one of our crew members, and the Sagittarius Eye has recently released a new podcast, uh, which came out, I think, last week. Yes. Pod, uh, issue number 33 is now out and available and listenable and audible on your favorite thing that you listen to podcasts via. Um, and it's very good, and you should listen to it. And it's been carefully crafted by, in, by, by brilliant, intelligent writers and, um, and uh, sonorous, melodious voice actors. Uh, and it will make uh, an excellent addition to the interior of your ears. And Pete Wotherspoon. Oh, that's cruel. People, you've, by saying that, you've implied that he's not as melodious as everybody else. I, I guess the question is, though, who would you, Ben, who would you call more melodious, is he Jean Ant's voice or Pete Wotherspoon? Who would win in a fight? That's the real question. Yeah, deathmatch. <laughs> who would win in a deathmatch? Death fight. Who, who would win in a melodious off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In a quartet off. Ant has to get it. Sorry, Pete. He's not particularly physically large, though, is he? But then again, neither is Pete Wotherspoon. I'm sorry, I was, I was still on the wrestling thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Pete's also got a great voice, but he's not Ant. So I've just got a picture of Pete Wotherspoon, like the, the Mexican wrestler con guy. <laughs> <laughs> No, because I got full Greek wrestling at the mo- at the moment, and that's not very pleasant. I think this is worth a go, though. Like, I think we should think about maybe organising an Elite Dangerous Content Creators wrestling 
tournament <laughs> at LeafCon. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be, I think it'd be quite good. The format could be cage fighting, maybe like you know, put them all in little leotards that map their that that match their uh, the colours of their little avatars. Get them all to fight. Maybe get someone to 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 like squeeze some cooking oil in there to get it slippery, just to spice it up a bit. I'll run a book. We can we can take bets. I think it'd be great. Uh, this started as an ASMR off, and now it is is turned into into full on jelly. <laughs> We've already had requests for jelly wrestling. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, oiled up cage fighting is one idea. Jelly wrestling is another idea. You know, it, 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 it's a it's a malleable concept. To Obsidian Ant and to Pete Witherspoon, I can only apologise. Um, my co-hosts seem to have been taken over by some kind of weird eroticism. That's all I can say. <laughs> the first heat will be uh, Pete Wotherspoon and Yamex in a cage covered in uh, sunflower oil. So um, if you're interested, then just send me a PM and uh, I'll sell you a ticket. Roll on LaveCon 2021. <laughs> That's put images into my head that I'm, I've got really... Down to astronomy. Oh my god, he he's going to have wow. He, there are going to be some odds on that guy. Like he he's he's going to need a handicap because isn't he like seven foot tall? Which community member will win in a greased up wrestling match? Uh, okay, yeah, that's, that's the question for this week, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's, let's put fight. that as a question. Meanwhile, um, the Turning the Wheel Initiative is now in war for the ownership of Saul testing uh, the salt test site. Um, so they'll be looking to expanding soon after that war. Uh, how long have they got until they've achieved all their goals? Because they must be um, they must be close by now. There's a few weeks on there still. It has to go into an election cycle and a pending election cycle. And yeah. So I think there's a few more weeks before interesting things do or don't happen. <laughs> and of course, LFT 509 is, is the big one. So this yeah. is only well, this is in inverted commas only soul. <laughs> True, right? Um, unfortunately, I think we'll we'll leave the community corner there before anybody else gets some mud wrestling ideas. Um, I'm sorry. Right, shoutouts. Um, first shoutout: our sister station Hutton Orbital Radio. It broadcasts on a Thursday at eight thirty. You can tune at Twitch TV Hutton Orbital Truckers or just for the audio at radio.forthemug.com. Now, there's a crowd that would get into the wrestling, wouldn't they? they they'd do it for free. Smelly, oily truckers, you know. Well, these are gonna have a, we're going to have to hold a lot of heat. There'll be a lot of people in the heat, the way you lot are acting. <laughs> for the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action, check out the CQC Discord at discord.me slash CQC. For those that like a literary discussion about sci-fi fantasy books, please subscribe to the Data Slate podcast created by our station commander, Alan Stroud. <laughs> we'll also give shout-outs to the following Elite Dangerous uh, podcasts. No doubt the rest of the crew will be evaluating whether or not they'll be better covered in baby oil or not. Loose Screws, uh, Elite Week, Flight Assist, uh, Spanish Speakers, there's the Elite Cast, we have the Canon Podcast, the Fatherhood Podcast, Squeaking Fuel, and of course the Guard Frequency, who do other space sims as well. Following on from this, we have the latest Galnet news as provided by Commander Wotherspoon and uh, Commander Beetlejude. Uh, I would like to thank everybody who's chipped in in the Twitch chat. I'm scared to look up the, the chat now. Kaizen is wanting to place a bet on himself. I'd back, uh, I'd back Kaizen. I would bet on that guy. Colin, in this contest, are we allowing Vaseline? So now not only are you wanting wrestling to happen, you want wrestling to happen based on the kind of 
ointment that you want to cover the wrestlers in the heats would be different so heat one would be sunflower oil in a cage <laughs> for example heat, heat two, two might vaseline. be yeah vaseline yeah heat three could potentially be could be nutella i don't know you can get creative <laughs> red hot chili sauce for the next one perhaps <laughs> like, oh, God. and the Brown final tricks. the final could be like that scene Brown after tricks. a dark night when somebody just walks in and breaks a pool cue in half chucks the two halves on the floor and says fight it out Stuart's just suggesting we have the final and beans I was thinking maybe custard. Non-Newtonian fl- physics going on here. Or non-Newtonian like fluids, anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Stephen Usher, one with deep heat. <laughs> oh, God, imagine. Okay. Around right. the hairy ball planet. Uh, on that bombshell. The show title, <laughs> Deep Heat Around the Hairy Ball Planet. There won't be very many hairy balls after that heat. Oh, apparently there's a new <laughs> podcast called um, Algorab AM. I've, I've not heard of this. I, I think Norman's putting it into the show notes, even as we speak. But um, hello to them. Right. Well, I'm calling it on this particular episode before it gets even more bizarre and silly. So that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com. Hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio, tweet us at laveradio, and you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a, a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat. You can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. It is shared with the hairy truckers, so uh, be careful. Do get in touch if you have any questions or any requests on various ointments, uh, or if there's anything else you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, brackets, with reason. Live Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. I cannot even thank, I can't thank our panellists for this. Because <laughs> I really can't. I commiserate about this. I'm just so glad I came on for this intellectual discussion. It was... Don't you want to see Page Page versus Colo then, Colin? Absolutely. (laughs) So I'd like to thank Alec Turner for for gracing us with his presence. (laughs) I'd just like to say I'm completely innocently disgusted by my fellow panellists. By your feathers? Exactly. This is how bad you're getting me now. Feathers! (laughs) (laughs) He's off to power and feathers now, is he? Feathers and oil could be one of the rounds. Oh, God. So no thanks to Ben, Suve, or Shan. But we do have to say special thanks to today's tech specialist, the Chris Mark IV. Good luck with this edit, mate. So until next time, Commanders, with shame, I say fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
No worries, guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back. Forget the Uranus talk. This is the new outro. According to uh, scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. You've been dying for something to replace your Uranus. I think you're right, though, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) What have you done with Shan, and when can we have him back? I don't know. I'm quite attached to this one, to be honest. Yeah, that that butt-clenching really was awesome. Net News Digest, 23rd of February, 3307. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Kane leads anti-Mahon protests. A who's who of who's going. Bring back beige. Photo competition and bug hunting. Kane leads anti-Mahon protests. Councillor Nakato Kane has become a pain in the prime ministerial neck of Edmund Mann. Building on discontent over Mann's summary decision to postpone the election by three months, Kane has become the leader of a direct action protest group that spread rapidly through a number of alliance systems, using the delay to the election of a new prime minister as a focal issue to express wider discontent over a diverse range of grievances, such as unwarranted expansionism, higher taxes, a lack of coherent defence policy, and perhaps most importantly, the prime minister's stated love of beige planets. Had the election not been delayed, there seems little doubt that Councillor Kane, riding the wave of discontent over the delayed election, would have won. Except, of course, that if the election hadn't been delayed, there probably wouldn't have been a protest movement. Kane has said that she'll accompany the Prime Minister to this week's Galactic Summit to ensure that the real interests of the Alliance are safeguarded. Mann, meanwhile, has insisted that the large-scale protests are the result of a vocal minority, and has repeated that the delay to the election is essential for the democratic best interests of the alliance. A who's who of who's going. With the Galactic Summit just two days away, we're still waiting for the final lineup of delegates. We know who's going from the Marlinists, Jenna Fairfax and Aaron White. We know who's going from the Empire, Princess Ashling, Senator Petraeus and Chancellor Blaine. We know who's going from the Federation, both President Hudson and Shadow President Winters. As we've just heard, Councillor Nakato Kane, his chief critic, will accompany Alliance Prime Minister Edmund Mahan to the summit, not necessarily with his blessing. We have to assume that Lee Yong-ri, the boss of Sirius Corporation, will want to host the summit in person. But how about the other independents? Will Pranav Antal, whose offer to host the summit was turned down, be willing to swallow his pride and attend? How about oligarch Yuri Grom? We haven't heard much from Yuri Grom since he entered semi-retirement. This might be just the sort of event to prove he's still alive and not a mummified corpse in a mausoleum after all. Thark the Mighty, Prince of the Pleiades and Emperor of the Coal 70 Sector, notes with displeasure that he has not been invited. He courteously suggests that if you want to make peace with your enemy, perhaps a 
good first step might be to invite them to sit round the negotiating table. Not although he admits that sitting can be a problem if you have six legs and two arms in addition to your mandibles. A good second step might be a slap-up meal of occupied escape pods and lavium brandy, although he understands that occupied escape pods were unaccountably left off the shopping list of rare delicacies for the summit. He awaits his invitation, which he points out, if not forthcoming, might make him displeased. And a displeased Thark the Mighty is, he is sure, not something the bloodbags of the galaxy would want to see. The Guardians haven't been invited either, but as they died off at least a million years ago, as a result of getting very good indeed at warfare, they're less concerned about it than the leader of the Thargoids. In the hugely unlikely event that something went wrong at the summit, we'd be left with Emperor Arissa, slave trader Torval and Prince Hadrian Duval for the Empire, Amrita Ross for the Marlinists, Vice President Mitchell and Shadow Vice President Rochester for the Federation. No one of significance at all for the Alliance, plus an assortment of minor independents from independent systems to run the galaxy. Oh, we nearly forgot. There's someone else who hasn't been invited to the summit. Theta Seven, the well-connected leader of the NMLA terrorists, who harbours a grudge against the Duval family, and who isn't averse to blowing up federal stations too, appears to have been missed off the guest list. Still, he's likely to take it all in good spirits, isn't he? Bring back beige. Ahead of the Galactic Summit, there's some good news from the scientists. The Federal Alliance and Imperial Cartographic Institutes have long been locked in a struggle over accepted mapping and visualisation techniques. It's recognised that your understanding and perception of the terrain of a planet is governed by the information you've been given about it. If you're told by your mapping system that it's a hostile terrain full of icy spikes, then that's what you'll see. If you're told it's a desert plain, then you'll perceive a desert plain hills, craters and brain trees notwithstanding. And now an accord has been reached to improve and standardise mapping to ensure that everyone in the galaxy will see planets as they really are. Ship sensors will be brought into line with this new mapping system and the visual inputs from the hazard-sensitive cockpit screens will begin to show a true and accurate representation of the planet surfaces outside. Some tweaks have been incorporated to meet the needs of the superpowers. The Empire didn't feel like its ice worlds were white enough. The Federation wanted its metallic worlds to look more metallic. And Edmund Mann, in the Alliance, has long wanted Alliance worlds to look more beige, like they used to. The new mapping system, which will be rolled out gradually, tentatively starting in May, will do its best to accommodate these preferences, including the Alliance's re the superpowers are also planning to use this work to get their own back on the Buckyball Racing Club, which has organised numerous illegal events in the Imperial Alliance and Federal Space over the years. Using the mapping improvement scheme as cover, they plan to completely demolish the ice ridges of Pomesh 2C, leaving the planet as smooth and featureless, in their words, as Arthur's cranium. Photo competition and bug hunting. 
other news this week, the Pilots' Federation is holding a My Favourite Planet competition. They are inviting the commanders to send in their favourite screenshot of a planet in advance of the new planetary mapping and visualisation system, or Plimvus, completely changing what all the planets look like. The Pilots' Federation is also asking users of the PS4 flight control system to send them details if they are unable to land on planets, so that the problem can be investigated. Some estimates say that up to one-third of PS commanders are affected, meaning they are unable to enter the My Favourite Planet competition. Still, that gives the rest of us a better chance of winning, so it's not all bad. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to. 